Welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the revelatory Matt. Hello, Flo So Do Joe. <laughs> I've had that joke in my back pocket for a couple of days. I thought you'd like that, oh. David. I I very much enjoyed that. I I, I think I've, I've I've gone on record before saying I I'm I'm very partial to a Jadoon. Mm. Um, so I'm very excited to talk about uh, this week's episode, Fugitive of the Jadoon. Uh, I mean, it's probably going to be quite a short one this week, to be honest. Not a particularly yeah. significant episode. We'll keep um, it brisk. Yeah. Um, but how's your week been, Matt? Yeah, it's been okay. It's been. An alright week. Uh, I was lucky enough on Friday night to spend some time recording with the Who Can Convince You Boys, Harry and Luke. Oh, Um, excellent. And I think by the time you're listening to this, that episode will be out. Mm. They're doing a quick turnabout on the the editing. Lovely. I look forward to listening to that that little chitwag. uh, um, (laughs) I'll try that to say. Little chinwag. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it did end with us, David. You know how last time I spoke to the Who Can Convince You Boys, we decided we were going to set a world record? Yeah. Uh, this time we've agreed, whenever the inevitable meet-up happens, we're going to do a Ouija board. <laughs> you know, I'm not, uh, Matt, I, I'm not sure I want you hanging around with these Who Can Convince You Boys anymore. I think they're a bad influence. Yeah, there was a lot of discussion on the paranormal and... You know, one thing led to another, and... Uh... Ah, fair enough. It's fine. It's all bunkum anyway. Um... Yeah, yeah. Um, other than that, I don't think I've had a very eventful week. Ah. No. Uh, just, uh, you know, on the come down after Ofsted. Yeah, yeah. Every Everyone's... Uh, everyone that I work with has basically got COVID, so I've pretty much just been running my department. <laughs> and... Um... I tell you what, I know I give the goths a hard time, but I'll tell you who's worse. Supply teachers. <laughs> oh, is that, are they your, your new um, scapegoats? Oh, no, 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 no. I still hate the goths the most, but, <laughs> you know. If you had to go to work for one day and it never mattered what you did, like... <laughs> there must be a great freedom in that, certainly. Yeah. I walked past one the other day and she was just stood in the corridor on her mobile phone just taking a call. And when I asked what the hell she was doing, she was like, oh, it's all right, the teaching assistant's leading the lesson. I was like, well, you might as well go home then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, It's a good thing I'm I'm well known for dealing with stress really well and being such a laid-back guy. (laughs) Excellent. Um, What about you? How's your week been? Fairly uneventful, to be honest. You know, I've, I, you know, working from home still, so spent most of the week sat at the same desk that I'm currently sat at talking to you. Um, and uh, this weekend, uh, my partner took little Absorbal off with her, went up to see her parents, as she, as she likes to do uh, when the opportunity arises. So I've spent the weekend by myself, slowly going mad. Yeah, she leaves you at home. Her parents think you're like a banker in the city. <laughs> Not just like too embarrassed to say, oh, he's at home talking about Doctor Who again. Just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, city bigwig David. He's got a call from Tokyo. Yeah. But hey ho. Um, 
I, I, yes, I, I, I said already, I cannot wait to talk about Fugitive of the Jadoon with you, Matt. Um, I think we're both going to have a lot to say on the subject. Um, but before we get there, we've got some other matters to attend to, haven't we? Yeah, where do you want to start this week? Let's start with the old A to Z, I think. The old A to Z? Yeah, why not? just turn to the back of my book where I've been making my notes. Right, so we are up to C this week, David. I'm very glad you said that, because for half half a second this morning I was like, is it C or is it D? Did we do C last week? And I've only prepared a list of C things. This doesn't bode well for the little memory game we do at the end. You can't even (laughs) remember what it is before we started. (laughs) Right, so, this week, David, for C, I've got a little list of things. Yes, let's hear your list first, then I can maybe fill in some of the gaps. Okay, so, a couple of episodes. The Caretaker. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, How did you... I can't remember how you felt about The Caretaker. It's one that divides opinion quite a bit. I I quite like it, but... I, I think I remember it being okay, but the bad guy robot was a bit rubbish. Oh yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's not the draw with that episode. We're we're all, you know, the highlight of that episode is obviously uh, Danny Pink's incredible backflip. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. His military yeah. training. <laughs> uh, Christmas invasion. Oh yeah, first episode with the Tate's Doctor. That's pretty significant. Yep. Uh, and then I've got Cold Blood and Cold War. Yeah. I knew what there was an episode called Cold Something, and I couldn't remember, and it turned out there was two. <laughs> Which of those do you, did you enjoy the most, do you think? It, it's Cold Blood, the digger hole in Wales, and Cold yes. War, we're on a submarine with Gattis. Yeah. Uh, I think I prefer... I mean, Gattis G- 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 doesn't actually feature in it, but... Is he not in it? No, no. Oh, it's the he's... guy from Game of Thrones, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? He he wrote it though, so right. that's where you're getting that association from. I think it is one of his penned episodes. Yeah, is it Liam Cunningham that's in it? Yes, that's yeah, right. and and David Warner playing the scientist as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I've got uh, closing time. Yeah, yeah, not the best. May as well stick Craig in there as well. Oh, yeah, I guess, you know, quite quite unusual for a supporting character like that to come back for a sequel episode. Mm. Uh, I've gone Christmas Carol. Yeah. Uh, Curse of the Black Spot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a terrible episode of Doctor Who, but sure. Uh, I've gone Crimson Horror. I like the Crimson Horror. Yeah. And then we're getting into, like, the... I've moved away from episodes. So, someone I've never met, but I know you keep banging on about him. Cushing Peter. Ah, yes, of course. The original non-canonical Doctor. Yeah. And then we're getting into my top three here. Okay. Uh, At number three, I've gone Clara. Yep. Number two... I've gone Christopher Eccleston. Yep. Yeah. And number one, I've gone Capaldi. Capaldi. There is another one in my sort of top four, but I think it might be your number one, so I'm leaving it out. Mm. Well, we'll have to wait and see. So my number um, one, I'm going Capaldi. Capaldi. Good choice. Solid choice. 
Yeah. I mean, certainly a fan favourite Doctor at this point. Um, I think it's fair to say that for one reason or another, his era didn't really, um, didn't really make a dent in the mainstream in the same way that his predis- immediate predecessors did. It's because he had two dodgy series and then one amazing series. <laughs> I don't think that's fair. This is what one dodgy series and two amazing series is how I would put it. Okay. Nine and ten are both fantastic. Uh, for different reasons, um, so I, I, I've uh, I've been looking at writers for the series. I'm not going to list everyone with a surname beginning with C. It's a common letter. There's a lot to to go through, but but um, in particular, I wanted to mention Anthony Coburn, who is the credited writer for An Unearthly Child. Uh, Paul Cornell, who you know was obviously one of the people carrying the. Uh, the flag during the wilderness years and also wrote um, two stonking good stories for the RTD era. Barbara Clegg, who wrote Enlightenment, who I believe I'm writing saying was the first woman to write for Doctor Who. That feels like it's worth acknowledging. Um, and uh, another writer that we'll get back to in a minute. Um, in terms of monsters... You've got the Cybermen, obviously. See, I thought that was going to be your number one. That's why I didn't mention the Cybermen. Yeah, I mean, very nearly is. They're hugely significant um, to the entire history of Doctor Who. Um, And uh, in terms of stories, you've got uh, Carnival of Monsters, Caves of Androzani and Castrovalva. I've said those in the wrong order, but... Respectively, they are the 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 first and last ep- episodes with uh, Peter Davison, uh-huh. both beginning with C. Curse of Fenric, City of Death, which is a fan favorite. Um, there's loads of stuff beginning with C. Um, but if I had to really narrow it down, and just pick one. It's got to be the Carrionites from the Shakespeare Code. Oh wow! Because they were so. <laughs> So brilliant, you know, they're witches, but they're aliens, Matt. Yeah, yeah. I remember that that period of Doctor Who where everything's just an alien. Yeah, we'll do every supernatural thing under the sun, but we, we'll just say it's an alien. We didn't mention thingy either, the Crefaeus, the big chicken alien. I think that's, is that not spelt with a K? It maybe is. It maybe yeah. is. I always thought it was, but I, I, I could be talking out in the arse there. Um, no, but in, in all seriousness... Um, there's another writer that I think deserves this, deserves a shout out, if only because both their first and last names begin with a C. It's Chris Chibnall. Oh, he's gone for Chibbers. I've gone for Chibbers. Controversial choice, potentially. But if I can unpack my reasoning a little bit. One, he is a sh- the current, you know, incumbent showrunner of uh, Doctor Who. Um, he has stewarded the show through quite a challenging period in terms of a very fast-changing television landscape. If you think about where TV was in the back end of the Moffat years to where it is now and the yeah, dominance like, of streaming services. Like back when TV used to be good and now Christian Gums <laughs> put it in the toilet. Uh, yeah, and um, I also think... Not, not going to rise to that, are you? Just going to move not. on. I'm not. 
but in terms of his influence in in 21st century Doctor Who and the Who universe in general, he was showrunner of Torchwood for at least a couple of series, I think. He is the only uh, one of the three showrunners to have written for every era of New Who. His first episode was under RTD. He wrote quite a few for Under Moffat. And here he is running the show himself um, in the current era. So, you know, he is, like it or not, he has had quite a lot of influence over the shape of 21st century Doctor Who, um, as is evidenced by the episode we will be discussing today, mm. which introduces quite a significant new addition to the canon, shall we say. Mm. The return of Captain Jack Harkness. Yes. Yeah. There's another scene. I'm, I'm certain the Who Can Convince You boys would have said Captain Jack. Yeah, possibly. They're, they're big fans. Yeah. They're big fans. Right, yeah. so, David, as we like to do at the end of the A to Z, yep. can you please... Recount all entries so far. Uh, okay, so for A, it was Autons and uh, an unearthly child. For B, it was uh, I. I went with Baker. Correct. And you went with uh <sighs> Um, I can't remember. <laughs> I went for Bad Wolf. Bad Wolf, that was it. Yeah. Um, and uh, today, yeah. <laughs> five minutes ago, I went with Chris Chibnall and you went with uh, Capaldi. Correct. Correct. There we go. I can't wait until we get to Z. I really hope the one time you get all the answers is when you just say, you know, and I said Zygon. And we'll all just go mad, just cheering. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to X. No. We're going to be scraping the barrel with that that week. Yeah. I can't even think of anything so far. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it, there'll be we're gonna We're going to have to be plumbing the depths of TARDIS wiki. I, I'm going to say the X-ray effect when someone gets shot by a Dalek. Oh, good one. Keep that in your back pocket. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Um, is it time to uh, hack into the Matrix and boot up searchwise.net? Yeah, please, David, please. Let's hop in the TARDIS and go to the South Coast. Please. <laughs> we'll just have to see, see what uh, the search engine doth provide as we... Have another thrilling instalment of Have I Got Who's For You? Are you ready, Matt? I was born ready. So we have got um, Digital Spy. Doctor Who will make a change for Jodie Whittaker's regeneration. 
Yeah, yeah, we know that, David. They're going to bring in a new Doctor. That's the change. <laughs> Radiotimes.com goes with Doctor Who's script reveals Sylvester McCoy and Peter, and Peter Capaldi Easter eggs. That's going to be a big finish thing. Guarantee yeah. it. I don't know. I hope they do get lots of Easter eggs this year. I, uh, imagine Capaldi and McCoy doing a little hunt around the garden. Uh, Express have got Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker to be replaced by the responders Martin Freeman. The answer is no, they're not going to cast a uh, white man as the next Doctor. That would be a, a very weird choice at this stage. Um, Radiotimes.com again, the, who are the masters of Doctor Who clickbait. Doctor Who director reveals new Jodie Whittaker regeneration details. Uh, another one from Radio Times, Doctor Who director opens up on Flux, filming struggles and Jodie Whittaker's final episode. So those will just be different extracts from the same interview. Yep. <laughs> Bleeding Cool, Doctor Who centenary special, interesting regeneration scene details. This is like obviously the one story that really penetrated uh, this week. Um, oh, Game Rant. Why they're covering Doctor Who, who knows? Doctor Who rumour suggests David Tennant will play 14th Doctor. They only posted that one day ago. We were talking about this last yeah. week. Yeah. Oh, dear. Just don't bother, mate. Yeah, don't you've got to keep up with point. the times. Yeah. Um... And uh, Independent have gone with Doctor Who fans predict cliffhanger after director leaks Jodie Whittaker regenerate. So it's it's all about this regeneration scene and, and what uh, Jamie Magnus Stone said in that interview. Yeah. Do you want to hear about it or do you want to hear about the um, uh, McCoy and Capaldi Easter eggs? Uh, yeah, go for that one. Okay. I, I assume we'll be talking about this regeneration scene for weeks to come. So Probably. So... <clears throat> this might be slight spoilers for a series 13 thing. We'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll try and avoid anything major. So um, this is by uh, Lydia Molina White for RadioTimes.com. While we wait for the next Doctor Who special to land, BBC have released the scripts for Flux and Eve of the Daleks for fans to pour over. Available via the broadcaster's script library, the Doctor Who scripts offer plenty of tidbits and Easter eggs that might not have been as obvious when watching, including a specific nod to two of the Doctor's previous Scottish incarnations. In the episode that kicked off season 13, the Halloween apocalypse, the Doctor and Yaz, um, I'm going to... Just skip over that bit. Uh, facing serious danger. So there's a voice activated device. I won't tell you what it is. And the doctor says, maybe I was Scottish when I set these up. And it says, an eagle-eyed fan spotted the scene in the script for the episode and realised it specifically references Peter Capaldi and Sylvester McCoy. Um, and so the, 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 the stage directions is written. Um, maybe I was Scottish when I set these up. Deep Scottish Capaldi release she rolls her r's alan mccoy release so that's it that's all it is chris chibnall specifically mentioned the two other scottish act actors who who played the doctor in in the script so that that barely passes for news it's i i, I don't i would say it doesn't pass at all it does not Past the litmus test for what I would consider to be news. I'm not certain I'd call it an Easter egg either. It's not. It's not. An, it's not an if, Easter if, egg. If she's specifically saying, like, "Hey, do you remember this?" 
Yes, like, I, I got the reference when she said it in the episode. Like, the fact that the Chibnall makes it clear in the script, that's just so there's no ambiguity for the directors and the actors when they're shooting, that they know what the intention of the joke is. Um, well, there you go. It's not a massive spoiler anyway. It's something that happens in the first five minutes of the first episode. So, um, I, I can't wait till we get round to reviewing that episode and I've forgotten we have this conversation. And I'm like, did you notice uh, she was Scottish? <laughs> I wonder if that was intentional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, oh, my goodness me. Like, Doctor Who fans, stop clicking on everything. So is, That's the only advice I can give people at this point. Is there no news from Plymouth this week? There was nothing from Plymouth Live. I'm sorry, Matt. All right, well. That, they've, you know... They've let us down. Yeah. That was a popular feature for all of two weeks, wasn't it? <laughs> you think that this is, this is the one that's killed it off? Yeah. Yeah. It, once they've broken the combo, there's there's no point, is there? Oh. Uh, don't be so defeatist. I mean, we, let's st- we can stick with it for one more week. Right. Who knows? They've got one more chance. All right. Okay. Um, all right then, Matt. Listen. It's. Um, is it official? Lister tweets. They they are back for good. We we were a little bit we were a little bit tongue in cheek last week. But uh, why why don't we do it again? But right. Instead of giving every tweet ten out of ten, let's rank them fairly this week. Let's give them a, an honest appraisal. <laughs> All right then, Matt. Right. So let's start at the top. Okay, with BT Flibbity Giggard. Say hello, David. Greetings, curator. BT says it's a very intriguing episode. And it goes without saying that Joe Martin is, in all caps, fantastic. The story... See what he did there. No, he, he did write it in all capitals. I, I said all caps. Yes, no, I, I, I meant like... I, I is, is there a nerdy a... Doctor Who joke I've missed there? I mean, Eccleston. He says it like a hundred times every episode. Right. Do you not remember him? Yeah, I remember. The, the, you were yeah. fantastic, so was I. But... He says fantastic in, like, every episode. Okay. That was so long ago. you got to brush up on your records. You're telling me you've not watched Series 1 17 times? David, since we watched Eccleston's <laughs> final episode, like, I have not gone back. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I, I can hand on heart say, since... About the third episode of this podcast, I have not rewatched any Doctor Who. A, a sensible choice for a man who doesn't like Doctor Who. You're watching enough Doctor Who, isn't it? Yeah, watching too much. <laughs> right, BT says the story is paper thin, but since it's an arc-heavy episode, I'm not too fussed about that. My biggest problem is that the Doctor seems to not notice when the companions start disappearing, and then for the A to Z this week. BT says C stands for Chumbly. <laughs> yeah, Chumbly. I didn't uh, didn't think about that. What well, what would you give that tweet out of ten? Oh, for the Chumbly reference alone, uh, that's a solid eight. Solid eight. 
Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking maybe 7.5. Not your best yeah. work, BT, but I know you're working within the restraints of the one tweet limit we've got. Yeah. Not doesn't come naturally to BT. No. And, and, I, and, and as and as a fellow waffler, I um, I fully uh, sympathise with that. Okay. But they did put C is for Chumbly as a second tweet, so don't be surprised if I edit that out, David. <laughs> All right. Next message comes from James Swifty Swift. Say hello, David. Greetings, James. Okay. James says... Fan service and future episode teasing is something this season has done a lot so far. However, it hits an all-time high in this episode. And to be honest, I still enjoyed this episode. This is Whitaker's best episode by far. She excels in this episode. Wow. Excellent. Strong praise there. Um, yeah. Well, how would you rate that uh, tweet, Matt? Uh... This is a little bugbear just of myself. Just as I read it, I noticed it has the word episode in it five times. Uh, I felt I kept repeating the word because it was like, I still enjoy this episode. This is Whitaker's best episode. She excels in this episode. So I'm going to I'm gonna give that a 6.723. Fair, fair. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a uh, C plus okay. out of 10. Right, the next message comes from Rod Henderson. Say hello, David. Hello, Rod. And when I asked Rod if this is a good episode, he said, yes, very much so. There's one little bit I wasn't sure of, and I'm not sure why they changed something they didn't need to. So no spoilers, but not a great amount of detail there from Rod. Mm. Are you aware of what he's talking about, David? Uh, I am, yes. All right, well, a little bit of mystery there. Maybe you'll drop that in later on. Maybe. You know what? Can, can we just... <laughs> One second, Matt. I'm really sorry. My brain completely zoned out, and I just played along, but I don't think I listened properly to the tweet. <laughs> Please edit that out. And can we have another take on that? <laughs> okay. Sorry. If you think I'm editing in that I out, was... you are... <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I was just thinking about too many other things. and I was thinking ahead and I wasn't really listening. <laughs> right. Rod says, when I asked him if this is a good episode, yes, very much so. There's one little bit I wasn't sure of and I'm not sure why they changed something they didn't need to. Right. Did, did you yeah. listen that time or do I need a third pass? I'd, no, 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 no. That, I, I got it that time. I, I think I know what he's referring to there. Maybe I don't. Right. How would you rate that tweet, David, bearing in mind you were incredibly inconsiderate and didn't <laughs> listen to it? I'm going to give it uh, a, a one, but that's on a sort of binary scale of zero and one. Okay. Oh, so that's like four marks. Yeah. Wow. Right. Next message comes from Ariel. Say hello, David. Hi, Ariel. Ariel says, My favourite sea thing ties into the review of this episode because it's Captain Jack Harkness. I hope that's ah. not going to impact your uh, your score of this tweet, David. We'll see. We're going we're gonna to have to have a Captain Jack chat, but we'll do that okay. in a minute after we get listener tweets. Pretty much okay. everything else about this episode flew out of my mind, but I recall it being decent. It set up worrying things for the season arc, though. Mm, worrying. That's an interesting word. Um, I'm intrigued. Well, how would you, how would you rate that tweet, Matt? Um, I'm going to give it five 
online apologies for getting your willy out out of five. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give it five cancel cultures out of five. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's, it is a measurable unit, isn't it? The cancel culture. <laughs> yeah. Right. Next message comes from Frank. Say hello, David. Hi, Frank. Frank says, Fugitive of the Jadoon bangs. Mm-hmm. Is that what the kids are saying this day? Is that good or bad? I can only assume that that is good. It's absolute poggers, David. <laughs> That's what the kids are saying. It's fat. It's dope. I mean, you literally work in a school, so yeah, if but... anybody knows what the kids are saying, it's you. Yeah, but phrases like that means I lose all respect for the youth of today. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yes. Um, I'm going to give that tweet two. Out of what? I don't know, ten or a hundred, either way. A low score. <laughs> Excellent. He also says C is for Clive. Oh, why? how could we have forgotten Clive? Yeah. We were only talking about him last week. Yeah, in that wheelie bin. Yeah. Right. We then have a tweet from Nobody Really, who says, I mean, it's got to be the Cybermen for C, right? Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I thought it was going to be your top pick. Yeah, I it was it was my first thought. It was my first thought, but then I I had a good old think about Chibnall and you know, like him or not, his the way he has shaped um Doctor Who. It, like Doctor Who is in a very different state now than it was when he started. Um and that's not by accident. So I feel like that you have to acknowledge that. Final tweet of the week for you, David. Yes, go for it. I'm giving this one 10 out of 10. Oh, I'm looking forward Even to Even before it. I read it, I, I saw it was from James Courtney. And that, that is a seal of quality in my eyes. It certainly is. Up there with the Nintendo seal of quality. Yeah. yeah. Do they still do that? Yeah. All the, other, all the other tweets are those like dodgy black plastic cartridges you can buy yeah. like off the market. Yeah. Where people have like done ROM hacks of like sexy Mario <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> right. James Courtney says, Is Joe Martin a better doctor than Jodie Whittaker? Possibly. Should John Barrowman be back? No. <laughs> Is he part of this episode's rubbish? Yes. Did I enjoy it though? Yeah, I enjoyed it enough. Is Yaz in this episode? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then James Courtney says his vote for C is his dad, Nicholas Courtney. Ah, excellent. And he says it's not Courtney Woods from Kill the Moon or yeah. the cabbage for the Tom Baker companion that never was. You know, I, I'm genuinely shocked that I didn't think of uh, Nicholas Courtney. Yeah, James, like I, James's dad. Yeah, just I, I should just uh, hand my, my fan card in it now, shouldn't I? They'll be sat I'm around the dining fan. table next week listening to this, all the Courtneys together, eating their <laughs> breakfast. Yeah. Probably eating eggs. Yes. Yeah. Eggs are great, aren't they, David? I, I am partial to an egg, Matt. Yeah. 
There we go. There's that sweet egg money again this week from the British Love Egg it. Council. How, how much are they paying you per per egg mention? Uh, $10 for a uh, in-episode ad. We could have uh, done like those, a those, pre are those, are those British dollars? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to buy Park Lane this week. I'm saving up <laughs> for Mayfair, but I thought I might get Park Lane this week. Exciting. Yeah. Um, Don't forget, though, you owe me loads of money for using my electric company. <laughs> That's true, but we'll, we, you know, we can sort that out off pod, can't we? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So there's the tweets this week. Next week, I'm going to pre-rate the tweets, and I'm only going to read out ones I like. Oh. If gosh. someone sends us a message be... going, "This episode is dope," get in the bin. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're a mature podcast for a mature audience. Yes. No children allowed. Yeah. Oh, that means we can swear again, David, if there's no Hooray! children Hooray! Go on. I give, forgot, give I your for- best swear. I don't I think I've forgotten how, Matt. Yeah. Um uh, <laughs> Oh gosh. What a mature podcast we are. Yeah. Yeah, for a mature audience. <laughs> yes, indeed. Whereas, you know, on, on the sort of... Uh, we're almost as mature as Torchwood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We might get cancelled. <laughs> okay, right. You know what? We've, we've circled back around to it. Let's get it out of the way. John Barrowman. Okay. So, when this episode came out, his, onst- his onset antics were public knowledge. They... You know, they've been acknowledged in, um, you know, convention appearances. And uh, there's even there's a video that uh, Catherine Tate and um, David Tennant did, you know, as a sort of like a, a tribute send off to uh, to Russell T. Davis and, and Judy Gardner. And in that there is a lyric. <laughs> I forget what it's, it's a, it's a song parody thing. And there's a ref, there's in the lyrics, they reference, you know, John Barrowman getting his uh, old chap out and stuff. So it's, it was public knowledge. And it was something that I was sort of vaguely aware of as well as a result of that. Um, but I'll be honest, until the, the it bubbled back up and became something of a scandal, I hadn't really given it the due consideration I should have, I feel like. Um, if that makes sense. I, In that same way that I think a lot of the people in, the, you know, higher up on the set at the, at the time that it was happening sort of, you know, shrugged the shoulders and said, oh, that's just John. It's easy to kind of do that in a weird way. Um I it's it's hard it's weird to acknowledge that and like this is not an easy thing to acknowledge but honestly I feel like you know it is kind of it's easy to slip into that that mode of thinking and it it really I it, you know it it's dumb behavior it is absolutely dumb behavior and it made people uncomfortable and that's not a thing that anyone anyone should be setting out to do um whether or not john barrowman was intentionally setting out to do that or whether that was sort of like just he just hadn't considered that would even be a possibility it's very hard for any of us to know um 
but that all being said, I feel like at the bottom, at the bottom line, it's it's dumb, unpleasant behaviour, but it's not unforgivable if the perpetrator is the least bit contrite and genuine and fulsome in their apology for that behaviour. And I think where Barrowman has really let himself down is his failure to do that and to, in fact, somehow paint himself as the victim in this situation. Um, and that's the point at which he's really lost my sympathy. So, honestly, at this point, my, 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 my opinion is basically good riddance. Um, I'm, I'm, go I'm not going to, like not watch episodes he's in because just because he's in them because an awful lot of other people put a lot of hard work into those stories it's not just about him um but i don't really want to think about him as a person any more than i need to yeah i i don't know if you've got anything else you want to add to that or or if you feel differently at all but that, that's kind of what I, I feel like i just need to set out my stall that's i didn't want to talk about it when it was very much in the the, the headlines and stuff like that i kind of just wanted to address it when we when we had no choice but to address it and that is that is today so um the the, the thing is yes his behavior was unacceptable and I, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head uh Whenever you do something wrong, there is a right way and a wrong way to deal with the fallout. And yeah. I just feel, like like you say, to, to make out that he is the victim when he's quite clearly, you know, gone about his behaviour and upset with, people. With, yeah, just with, with, a, with a basic disregard for how his actions may affect other people. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. So, for for example, like I, I don't know if if you're familiar with this, but there is a musical artist called Ryan Adams. Um, this isn't Brian Adams. No, I've heard no, no, of no, Brian no, Adams. No, it's not Brian Adams, and we're not okay. going to take the good name of Brian Adams this morning. Okay. Uh, but from from what I gather, Ryan Adams was in a series of like abusive relationships where he was manipulating young women who were fans oh. of his music and what have you. Grim. And when that came out, and when, you know, he was, for want of a better term, cancelled, a few yeah. months later, he released a statement saying everyone should forgive him because he can't get any work anymore. <laughs> he, he was like, yeah, I've, I've done bad things, but, like, uh. nobody will book me for gigs anymore. Like... He was essentially going, you lot have ruined my life because now I can't get any work. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, read, read the room. That isn't, that, that ain't it. Yeah. I mean, and unfortunately that's, I, I, I guess I can understand from Baron's, Baron's perspective that he feels like he's having his career ruined over what he considered at the time to be harmless japes. Yeah. But all he has to do is take a step back and think about maybe those japes, if intended as harmless, uh, uh, that's beside the point. They clearly did cause harm. People have gone on record about the harm that they caused. So acknowledge that, man up, admit that you've made mistakes, give an unambiguous apology 
And I think this could have all blown over. But he, he, he dug his heels in. He dug his heels in and has made it ten times worse for himself. I, I know it's the go-to response. But yeah. I know when a lot of celebrities have done these sort of things and, you know, it later comes to light. And they yeah. say, you know, I need to take some time to educate myself and reflect. That That is all. That is the bare minimum people are asking. And yes. John Barrowman hasn't done that. Yeah, absolutely failed in, in, in his uh, duty to do that. And uh, so, yeah, I don't, my, my, I've got no, you know, no, no, no remaining dregs of sympathy there, unfortunately. Um I shall reserve that sympathy for for the people who um, who he upset with his actions. And and one thing I do think it's important to say is yeah. obviously in like some of our older episodes we praise Barrowman, we say he's great. Obviously, we were totally unaware of these allegations at the time. I mean, well, certainly in your case, yes. Like I say, I I, I will I will freely admit to my shame that I was sort of aware. But I didn't think I didn't think properly about the impact it, because the way in which they're presented when you hear those interviews and those jokes in, in, in little songs and things like that is it's presented in a way where everybody is in on the joke. And, you know, I've I've dabbled in acting and, and things like that. I know what it's like to be with a group of other actors and people where you're essentially, you know, the the, uh, the core of acting is a lot of titting about. <laughs> Let's be honest. You're you're pretending. You're playing dress up. It is a playful environment, and I can understand how someone could maybe overstep the mark in terms of that playfulness. And I do think deep down that is what is ha- what happened in the case with John Barrowman. And because it wasn't called out at the time, it became a running gag. It became something he he sort of felt like was sort of part of his brand in a way. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I think I, I, I understand. I understand how it could have got to that point. And I, I don't want to make too many excuses for myself, but like it's not... It's not really reasonable to say that nobody knew about it prior to sort of last year. <laughs> That's not the case. It, it, um, it was public knowledge, but people hadn't really, myself included, often hadn't really thought clearly about the potential harm those sort of actions could could have. It, it makes the whole Eccleson saga make a bit more sense, doesn't it? It does. It does. It, it's hard to know for exactly. He, he, the way he talks about it, it sounds like there was just a a a a a, a general level of unprofessionalism in all aspects in those early days. Like the set was chaotic, people got injured people were upset you know yeah. it sounds like it just it wasn't a good environment um 
I, I hope, especially knowing that essentially at this point, the, the whole gang is back together. Uh, uh, you know, there's recently that's Phil Collinson, who was a producer on, in the RTD years, is now back in alongside Judy Gardner, alongside RTD. Um, it really is basically the same crew again. I hope that the, all of them have matured and learnt and grown as people in in the uh, intervening years. I fully expect that they have. But I really hope that they take these sorts of things a lot more seriously. Yeah, and you, you would assume even worst case scenario, even if they haven't, the BBC can't afford another scandal. They're going to be watched. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed for all of that. Um, obviously... This isn't the last time we're going to be talking about content with Barrowman. We've we've been open about the fact that we are intending to, to do Torchwood. Um, that is out of curiosity for my part, having never seen it. Um, and again, I'll just say there Torchwood is not just John Barrowman. Yeah. There is there is a whole other supporting cast. There are the writers, the directors, um, all the way down to the runners, everyone who was involved in the making of that show deserves to not have their work buried for the sake of one stupid arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> That's my perspective on that. So, um, but having said that, I fully understand if people, when we get to Sorchwood, if you're just like, this is not my jam, I don't want to be th re reminded of the existence of John Barrowman every week. We totally understand. We won't. We won't hold it against you if you if you give us a miss for for a, a, a few months whilst we are going through those episodes. We could um, just do Sarah Jane Adventures. Just keep it safe. I mean, I'd be up for that too. I I'd be up for whatever. To be honest, we could um, always uh, segue into the adventures of K Nine, David. <laughs> no, no. We we'll um, we 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 can have a discussion about that a little bit later, Matt. On on a on a bonus episode that maybe will be popping up on your feed fairly soon, listeners. Um, but okay, I think we said all we can possibly say on that. Uh, we're just going to move forward from this point on. When when we talk about Captain Jack, we're we we we're just focusing with the story and the character. We're not really going to be referencing in any great detail John Barrowman the extremely flawed human being <laughs> yeah yeah are we allowed to talk about his extremely flawed hair <laughs> sure <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we come to it um I think that that's that's enough preamble let us please talk about uh, fugitive of the to do one question David before we do oh, okay okay how are you rating this episode Good episode. You, Matt? I, I'm good. I think I might go good episode. It's Th good, isn't it? Th like, there's it a couple of wobbly bits. Sure, sure. When It's Doctor Who. You know, when I finished watching it, if you'd have asked me within like the 10 seconds after watching it, I'd have said, yeah, good episode. Mm. But uh, it's easily the best of this series. Uh, yeah, definitely. Easily the best of last series. Yeah. It, yeah. It's Whitaker's finest hour so far. Yeah. And we'll 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 get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, there's a lot to get to, so let let's uh let's get cracking. Right. 
So, this is Fugitive of the Jadoon. Yeah. It is episode 5 of season 12 from the mm-hmm. 26th of January, 2020. Yep. It is written by Vinay Patel and Chris Chibnall, yep. directed by Nida Mansour. Vinay Patel obviously um, penned the Demons of the Punjab mm-hmm. last series, which was one of the best. I think it's a name I've heard before. Yeah, one of the best of, of uh, last series. So, uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's kick it off. Right. So, we open with a lady. Yes. Played by Joe Martin. Yeah. And I'm certain we'll discuss it when we get to the end, but I would now watch Joe Martin do anything. She's amazing, isn't she? She is perfect yeah considering in this episode she basically plays two characters and knocks both of them out of the park yeah and and like uh, you know i'd never seen her in anything prior to this no she was brand new to me but yeah what what an actor yeah so this is the character ruth who is watching a clock and making some toast because it's her birthday and her husband, Lee, has not got her a cake yet. Yeah. Um, I, I will say as well, we, we're going we're gonna to gush about Joe Martin an awful lot. Let, let's also name check the guy playing Lee, her husband, Neil Stuke. I think he also does a great performance in this episode. Yeah. Which we'll, we'll, we'll get to more as it, as it goes on. But I feel like it gets kind of overshadowed a little bit, by understandably, by Joe Martin. But... Um, I think you take either one of them out of out of this, and, and like this episode suffers enormously. I think they they cast both of those roles extremely well. So, she is an incredibly positive person. Seems to be like a pillar of the local community. Everyone knows her. Everyone yeah. seems to like her. Uh, she does tours of Gloucester. Yeah, I I lived in Gloucester. Ah, oh, that's that's the answer to my first question. You ever been to Gloucester? Yeah. Yeah, lived there for a couple of years. This is it's really weird for me watching this episode because I recognise all pretty much all the locations they use. Ah, see, I I've never been. Yeah, it's all right. Maybe the Jadoon uh, got their dates wrong and they were looking for you. The cathedral and the um and the uh the the canal dock is are both sort of nice nice places to to visit. Uh, there used to be a big antique centre right by the canal, and it it's uh. I don't think it's there anymore, unfortunately. I used to enjoy poking around in there and not buying anything because I had no money when I lived in Gloucester. Right. Well, if we've got any Gloucester-based listeners, can you just let us know if the antique centre is still there? Oh, yes, please do. If it is, take some pictures, tweet us them, and we'll send them to David. Yeah. Can Can I just be clear about, like, how shit my... um Like, I have... Gloucester isn't a terrible place, but like my overbear, uh, overwhelming memory of living there was just the the pretty much abject poverty in which I existed because I was out of work at the time. I was living with my partner in a flat above a drug dealer's flat. Um, there were holes in the floor. Uh, we couldn't afford Wi-Fi, but he didn't have his security, so we just nicked his. Wow, and um. We didn't have a fridge for about the first year that we lived in that flat. Um, or a bed, actually. We never actually got a proper bed. We just slept on a mattress on the floor. Wow. Um, it was not 
it wasn't a good time in my life really living in gloucester but um it's a it's a nice historic town it's worth a visit <laughs> yeah and you're in a better place now it's important to say yes i am we, we've we, we've got a we've got a house with an upstairs and everything have you got a fridge we've got a fridge yeah it's a really horrible old fridge we could do with a new one but um you know and does your upstairs have holes in it no, fortunately, um, the, the the floors are solid. If I gave you the option today that I could come to your house, drill a big hole in the floor and put a fireman's pole in, would you accept that? No, I wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> right. So, as Ruth is having a little potter about, we're introduced to, and I didn't write the character's name down, Coffee Man. Coffee man. man. Oh, uh, oh, all is Alan. All he is Alan. That's it. <laughs> so Alan is like the local know-it-all, bit of a conspiracy mm-hmm. theorist. Clearly in love with Ruth. Yep. I totally understand why she's great. Yeah. And is trying to get Ruth to leave her partner Lee to shack yep. up with him. I love, I love the humour, and pretty much like. There's a real sort of turn about um, sort of 35 minutes into this episode when things get incredibly serious. But up until that point, there is so much humour. And, like, just things like the fact that when... He, he's not just, like, telling Ruth, oh, you could do better than Lee. He's he's made an actual dossier yeah. <laughs> on him and stuff like that. It's, it's like... It's... It's unexpectedly funny, I feel like. Yeah. So and, far. It... And I assumed if he's made a dossier and, you know, without jumping ahead too far, when yeah. they're Jadoon are looking for somebody, I yeah. thought at the end he was going to be proven right and everything in his dossier would come to yeah. fruition. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a good a... bait and switch, isn't it? It really is. All of the misdirects in this episode are, are, are superbly done. Yeah. Um, so the Jadoon do approach and fire do. a big laser at Gloucester. Yeah. Poor old Gloucester. What's yeah. it ever done to them? Yeah. Uh, and this is the first time we see the Doctor this episode. She's acting yeah. in a very erratic way. And the farm... That doesn't sound like her. Yeah. <laughs> the farm have kind of had enough and say yeah. what's going on. And it turns out she's trying to track the Master... But he's trapped in that other dimension with those weird electric people. Yeah. I I do like that we are getting a lot of Series 11. The the 13th Doctor was just sort of, just seemed to be just like this happy-go-lucky, hey, fam, off we go, we're having an adventure, yay, kind of thing. I, I really like that we're starting to see what's under the surface of that a little more now. And that that is... It's it is a bit of an act, and you know when she lets her, her guard drop a little bit more, she's she's like, she's quite cagey and prickly. Yeah, and yeah, I quite like that. You know, like it when she says that she's been visiting Gallifrey and going yeah. home and leaving the fan behind. When they're like, "Why don't you take us?" and she's like, "Because you ask too many questions." You yeah, know, a bit of friction there. Yeah, definitely. But this conversation is interrupted by a Jadoon transmission. Yeah. 
They've infiltrated Gloucester. They're scanning everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a little thing where they can speak English again. Yep. And yep. It's all it's all quite consistent with uh, how they were in uh, Smith and Jones. But uh, they, I, I, in my memory, I remember them being more cartoony in Smith and Jones. I don't know if they've like changed the rhinoceros faces. I think they've they've given them a little bit of a zhuzh. I think they look fantastic in yeah. the story. And I, I like that they haven't beefed up. Like, clearly it's a man in a suit. Yeah. But I like that they've got this massive stocky chest and head, but then yeah. tiny little legs and arms. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of how, how the design has always been. I genuinely, I love the, the Jadoon. I think it's a great concept for an alien race. Um, it's so Doctor Who-y. Um, I, 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 I get that a little goes a long way and you couldn't have, you couldn't like have the Jadoon being the big bad or showing up every other series, you get sick of them. But um, I do wish we got them a little bit more often than we do. Um, Go, going yeah, back in great. time in like the lore of our podcast, have you still yeah. got your Jadoon mug? I have, yeah. Yeah. Love that mug. Still my favourite mug. Still got your egg cup? Yep. Good. <laughs> you know, you, you could make some eggs, David. Cook up some eggs. Beautiful, beautiful eggs. Have them in your egg cup. I poached an egg yesterday morning. Oh. And a fine egg it was too. Was it a British egg from the British Egg Council? Um, well, it was certainly a British egg laid by a British hen. Great, great. There we go, there's, there's $10 this week, David, from Peter Egg. Lovely. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Okay. So, uh, Graham gets zapped away at this point, and no one seems to notice. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just sort of waffling about cakes, and then he disappears. Uh, the Jadoon kill Ruth's old lady friend. Yep. And Lee and the coffee man have a little argument. And uh-huh. it's at this point, under his breath, he like goes, oh, bloody humans. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm on to you, Lee. I've yeah, solved yeah, this yeah. mystery. Um, There's no more twists to have this episode. I'll tell, you what the, <laughs> I'll tell you what the biggest mystery for me is. In all of Gloucester, why does he choose the one man who is creepily in love with his wife to make yeah. a birthday cake. Yeah, his swan nemesis. Just, and also, like, it's a cafe. Most cafes, as far as I know, don't do, like, bespoke cake-making services. That's a, that's a separate business. Also, I, I don't know if he's, like, sabotaged the cake on purpose because he hates yeah. Lee. Yeah. It's not the best-looking cake in the world, is it? No, well, he does sort of openly acknowledge that he's, like, he was... He, he did used to run a pub and he's pivoted into into yeah. cafes and and he he openly admits that he's terrible at it. Yeah. Yeah. What what a brilliantly memorable supporting character he yeah. is. Yeah. You'll never you'll never forget all he is, Alan. No. No. It's a shame we've done A on the A to Z, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh right, where are we up to? So the Jadoon are looking for a fugitive. And Alan tells the Jadoon it's Lee. But as he yeah. does, he also gets shot. Yeah. 
So R.I.P. Alan. The Doctor uses the psychic paper to pose as a Judoon regulator. You know, she takes authority of this investigation, says yep. that, you know, they have the right to arbitration before the Judoon basically break into Ruth's house and kill everyone. Yeah. So... Graham then wakes up. Can I can I say I love all the little when when she's like giving giving the uh, Jadoon captain a dressing down. The, both the vocal performance from Nick Briggs and the the animatronics that they're able to to convincingly make a Jadoon look sort of sheepish, yeah, sort of browbeaten. But, but also, I really like you've got. The intergalactic space police, played by rhinos, like an aggressive. Yeah. But at the same time, like you can tell, this Jadoon captain is a bit of a pencil pusher and has no time <laughs> for the the paperwork yeah. element of the job. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 ah, oh, they they the Jadoon are great. And if I had one criticism, and it's not a fair criticism criticism at all, if I had one criticism of this story, it's that. By the end of it, I did feel slightly cheated that I didn't just get my nice little self-contained Jadoon romp. Yeah, well, we'll cover you that, know, David, when we get to the end. We will, we I, will. I'm going to read out the message I sent you yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... Uh, yeah, Graham wakes up on a ship and there's a voice over warning. Yeah. Captain Jack is back. He is. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, it's a fantastic advert for Just For Men hair dye, isn't it? It sure is. So, he thinks that Graham is the Doctor. He thinks the regeneration of the Doctor, because he's used, like, a time scoop type thing, hasn't he? Yeah. And incorrectly, it's identified Graham as the Doctor on a, now we learn, stolen spaceship. Yes. Okay. The Doctor enters Ruth's house. Can I, can I say as well, um, with regards to the, to the 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 whole Jack cameo was another misdirect because rumours were swirling around about there being a big twist in this episode, and people kind of figured out, did their usual internet snooping, and sort of discovered that. John Barrowman had shot a short scene and basically gone up to Cardiff for a couple of days and shot a little bit. Um, and so everyone was just like, ah, oh, that'll be it then. That's the big twist. That they're gonna, there's going to be a Captain Jack uh, appearance. Complete, uh, and, you know, on any other episode, that would have been the major thing. But, but as well, this appears like, what, 10, 15 minutes into the episode? So yeah. you probably, like I certainly did, let my guard down after that. Exactly, like, like, oh, here we go. Here's here's the extra thing that we were, you know, yeah. You 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 kind of on on any normal episode of Doctor Who, that would be more than enough. We've got the Jadoon. We've got Captain Jack. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the Doctor enters Ruth's house. Uh, Ruth's house. Sorry. Scans yep. Ruth, scans Lee, they're both human. And yep. whilst investigating, Yaz has found a box. And Lee gets really suspicious. Now, tying into the big mystery of this episode, yeah, I was fully waiting for them to open this box and there'd be a pocket watch. Yeah. 
And the fact that we didn't get that is like another level to the misdirect. <laughs> it's magnificent, isn't it? Yeah. They they are just they are really just pulling your strings at this point. Yeah. So Lee asks the doctor to escape with Ruth. Yaz and Ryan go to cause a distraction, but they get zapped away as well. Yeah. So Lee surrenders to the Jadoon and yeah. says, Tell your boss that you got me. And we're introduced now to Commander Gat. Yeah. Love her costume. Yeah, it's a good look. Yeah. So, she... Oh, sorry. I thought I'd written she had trucked the box, but she tracked (laughs) the box. Yes. And it has a service medal in it. So, again, I was like, right, it's not a pocket watch. Lee's just some alien guy. Got it. Yeah. That's the plot of this episode. Yeah. Okay. So it's got his service medal in from when he served in some alien army. But again, he is not the fugitive. Yeah. Okay. So the Doctor and Ruth escape to the cathedral where Ruth receives a text from Lee that says, Follow the light, break the glass. Yeah. And she has like a little funny turn. Yeah. The Jadoon approach, and we find out that Lee was killed, and that Ruth is the fugitive. Mm-hmm. Ruth has no understanding why, and she attacks all the Jadoon purely on instinct. Yeah. It, and it's brutal as well. She rips that one's horn off. Yeah, I re- really didn't know how I felt about that. Because yeah, as, it's... as much as the Jadoon are like kind of a bit antagonistic, they're not necessarily the bad guys. But I mean, they're very likeable as well. They are, because so, there's they're something inherently silly. And this is the thing. This is why I love the Jadoon as a concept, because it's like it's very much poking the fun at authoritarianism which is something that doctor who does extremely well generally you know on a, on a fundamental level doctor who is an is an anti-authoritarian kind of a show um um but the fact that it, it manages to both show the brutality of authoritarianism and the inherent absurdity yeah of authority they they embody both so well but that does mean when when she just you know, just fully rips that that poor Jadoon's head off. You, uh, um, not head off, horn off. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a, <laughs> it'd be a, be a show, very different episode, wouldn't it? it just goes around <laughs> oh no, you would have just seen just a, a, a bewildered-looking stuntman's head underneath. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, it kind of um, it, it it is shock. It's a shocking level of violence. Yeah, that we don't normally see in this show, and. Um, I mean, I guess the one advantage of it is you could say that that Jadoon's less likely to get poached now. Yeah. So, I guess that's a positive. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Rips the horn off, and we find out that Jack can't scoop the Doctor to his ship because of the Jadoon shield. That's why he scoops a bit off. That's why he's now got Ryan and Yaz. It's a bit hand-wavy, to be honest. It's, it's, It's... More just a case of they needed to get the companions out of the way so they could do the second half of this episode. Yeah. So the Doctor thinks Ruth may be someone else triggered by text. Yeah. And the glass and the light from the text link to Ruth's childhood home. She was raised in a lighthouse. And the Doctor says, come on, we're going there then. Okay. Yeah. So Jack then 
begins to disintegrate because the ship has an anti-theft, like, nanoparticle thing that starts eating away at him. Yeah. And before he goes, his final message is that the companions need to tell the Doctor, beware the lone Cyberman, don't give it what it wants. Ooh. So there's our bad wolf for this series. Yeah. The lone Cyberman. Okay. Are you excited about the Cyberman presumably coming back? I don't think it's a spoiler to say that at this point. You don't tease something like that. Yeah. And then have no Cybermen turn up. Yeah, we'll see. I hope it's uh, the Brigadier Cyberman just flying (laughs) through space, having a great time. Oh, you're never going to let that one go, are you? Yeah, don't give it what it wants. That'll be all the old lost episodes of Doctor Who. Just (laughs) don't give him them. Okay, so once they get that message, the farmer's zapped away. Yeah. The Doctor and Ruth arrive at a disused lighthouse. And quite uh, inconsiderately, the Doctor just begins scanning Ruth's parents' graves. Yeah. yeah. You know? But she does so because it's blank. It's not a grave. Yeah. And this is, like, the best scene in the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah. So Ruth is in the lighthouse. There's a little fire alarm that says break the glass to set it off. And we see her sort of emotionally preparing to do so. We see the doctor, like, at the grave now. She realises it's not a grave. It's a marker of some description. So she starts digging away. Mm -hmm. And the reveal that there's a buried TARDIS, I was just like, oh, my word. This is, it's just bonkers, isn't it? As she's just, you know, just shifting away the dirt and it's just like, already, like, the first time I watched this, I had that sort of, like, buzzing sensation in my head. You know what I mean? When you're just kind of like, you're not, you, you almost can't process what you're seeing. And we're already at that level. <laughs> and there's more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Ruth approaches... Yeah. Says, let me try take this from the top. Hello, I'm the doctor. So Ruth is a chameleon art doctor. Yep. Which uh, it, it, blew my tiny mind a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so uh, first of all, I am so happy that you weren't spoiled on this. I genuinely, I I fully expected you to have gotten spoiled on this by, by now. Because I, I, I'll be honest, this is what my impression was. Right. Yeah. I knew that Joe Martin. I didn't even know she was called Joe Martin. I yeah. knew she was in the show. Yeah. I knew that she was very popular, and I knew she played a character called Ruth. Not gonna lie, I just thought it was a companion. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. I thought at the end of yeah. this, she was gonna prove to be important, and the Doctor's like, "All oh, right, just come with me." Yeah. <laughs> More than Mary. I've already got three of them, but we'll just sling you in yeah. the pile. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, social media is not shy when it comes to talking about the fugitive doctor um, to give her 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 current title, at least. Um, though there is a lot of debate about. Some people still refer to her as the Ruth Doctor and stuff like that. But the in in official BBC stuff, she is referred to as the fugitive doctor. Right. Um. Uh. But yeah, oh my goodness! I just, I didn't, I didn't know 
what was up what was down when this was happening when i first watched it i was just like because like okay with the war doctor with like let's be clear this is this is not like completely uncharted territory we've had (coughs) it's like a mashup of the reveal of the master in series three um and the reveal of the war doctor in uh series six yeah that's what we effectively have here um is it series six or is it no series series seven isn't it I can't remember. Yes. Yeah, because it's Clara. Yeah. Um, but in in both those cases, there was a sense that we were approaching a finale. Like, and we were, we were bringing out the big guns. Yeah. This is happening slap bang in the middle of a season in what on paper looks like it's going to be the most innocuous episode of the series because it's just the Jadoon and like the, all the teaser trailer stuff is just like hey guys the Jadoon are here yeah. <laughs> like it gives nothing else away um, so I feel like this is like maybe the closest we'll ever get to a genuine like surprise regeneration this is just like it's completely out of the blue but all of a sudden here we are we've got another incarnation of the Doctor to play with how exciting is that? Yeah. And she's got a fantastic costume. Oh, David, it's one of the best. Um, yeah. Like that, that's, you know, that slightly gaudy shirt coupled with the attitude and stuff. I almost feel like she's a modern take on Colin Baker's Doctor. Yeah, it's similar. It's a, it's, it's an outlandish outfit. Yeah. And, 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 and she's got that sort of swagger to her as well. Well, I, I was going to talk about that. The gravitas that Joe Martin has. And, like, uh, I, I'm obviously not trying to compare anyone's appearance yeah. to anyone else. But yeah. I like, when we have the confusion later on, yeah. the the fact that Jodie Whittaker is considerably smaller yeah, and, you know, a bit more slight. And then we have this... Like, big... I don't want to use the term masculine, because I don't know if that's fair. But, like... No, she's imposing, though. Yeah. She's, like... Yeah. You know, know, she stands taller, she stands broader, and you think, you know, who are you going to place your confidence in out of the two? And that that appearance mirrors the mood and the story so well. Yeah, yeah. There's there's that scene at the end where they're approached by Gat, and Joe Martin towers over Whitaker. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And it's very intentional as well. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that we have such a different doctor in the fugitive doctor to to what we have with with thirteen. Like, I don't think it's you know, it's not about picking favourites or saying what you know, one is better than the other. They are just intentionally very, very different doctors. Mm. Um and I think that's what makes it interesting. It'd be boring if we discovered a, a, a brand new, like, secret incarnation of the Doctor and they were, you know, quite similar to Jodie Whittaker. But, but also, like... There's this, no drama in that, is this, there? And I'm only kind of going off what I've seen. I don't know yeah. if we ever see this Doctor again. But the fact that, like, she wields a gun, she's, you know, not afraid to address her enemies... You know, yeah. If you, 
She's obviously got some kind of combat training. Yeah, the fact it's it's almost like an 80s action star. And we've had, we've had, what, 13, no, 12 other doctors who are all male but haven't done that. And even when we've seen it in The War Doctor, he's like the physically weakest and frailest of the lot. So for us to finally get that, like, adventure hero doctor and it to be a female doctor, I think is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really interesting. There's there's uh, there's so much to unpack with it, and we're, <laughs> from just what we had so far, a handful of scenes. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's it's amazing, and credit to Chibnall, it's ballsy. This is a ballsy thing to be doing, you know, midway through your run, and um. Yeah, he's not messing about with this. Yeah, no. I I really like this bit. Yeah. Uh, I can't even remember where we are on my notes. Right. Uh, we pretty much just, We've just got done the reveal. He- Hello, I'm the Doctor. Yeah. yeah. So, another interesting plot point is they don't know each other. Yeah. You know, if one remembers the other, then they're from the past. But mm-hmm. the fact that neither remembers the other, one hasn't been the other. Is yeah, causes... they, bo- they both they both assume they're in each other's future. Yeah, which just is impossible. Yeah, especially once the sonic screwdriver detects that they are the same person. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Ruth had used the chameleon arch to hide from Gat. Yep. And Lee was like her swan protector. So a little bit like Martha when we had uh, Family of Blood. Yeah. Okay. Now, the Jadoon pulled the TARDIS, or Ruth's TARDIS, above their, uh, sorry, aboard their ship, yep. where Ruth surrenders. Yeah. Okay. We find... I love that classic TARDIS interior as well, by the way. Yeah. 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 yeah, but it's like a modern take on the classic, isn't it? Yeah, I think they. I think it's the same TARDIS set that they that they judged up from uh, from twice upon a time. Right. I think they've kind of redressed it a little bit, but it's essentially the same sort of extra TARDIS set. I imagine they always just keep that one spare, yeah. just in case at this point. Right, but Gat is not the contract holder. Yeah, she's here on behalf of the division. Oh. So there's another mystery thread to be pulled this series. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's we've got we've got a little sort of list of keywords now. So we've got timeless child, we've got um, lone cyberman, lone cyberman, and now the division. Yeah. So the doctor offers herself in Ruth's place, and it turns out the doctor is wanted on Gallifrey. Mm. So this means that. Ruth Doctor must be from the past because Gallifrey is no more. It's destroyed. Yeah. Okay. So Ruth Doctor fits in the chronology somewhere. I don't know bloody where. Yeah. If we haven't seen her, it must be pre-First Doctor, I'm assuming. Although it could be anywhere and she's just been memory wiped. Yeah. Um, there is the whole. Um, there's a whole theory of the season six B Doctor, um, which is at the end of season six. We have the War Games, Patrick Troughton's final story. At which point, we see 
the Time Lords sentence him to regeneration, we don't actually see his face regenerate fully into Pertwee's face because Pertwee hadn't been cast hadn't been casted at the time. Ah. So there's so, like a missing regeneration. Kind of, yes, yeah. So there's a whole there's this this long-standing fan theory about you know the the Doctor going off and doing additional missions for the Time Lords after... And it's to explain away things like Patrick Troughton's appearance in The Five Doctors, where he seems to know the fate of companions that he wouldn't have known and um, if it was earlier in his timeline. And um, I think also some of the some weird lines in The Two Doctors, which he features in as well. Get, get, it, um, get it written into the canon. Get, <laughs> get Pertwee's son, Sean Pertwee. Just like they did with David Bradley, and just recast <laughs> yeah. the third. Do- oh, get that written. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, isn't it? But um, yeah, so this is the episode that launched a thousand fan theories. Right. So much going on. It's crazy. Right. So, Gat seizes Ruth's gun, and says she's heard enough. She's going to shoot Ruth. Pulls the trigger. It backfires and kills herself. Yeah, brutal. But the Doctor says she knows of her own past. She knows Ruth isn't part of it. But Ruth kind of gives her a nod and a wink like, oh, you don't know the half of it. Uh Okay, so they leave on the TARDIS and one of them says they have to be wrong. Yeah. They can't, it just doesn't make sense. They can't both be in each other's futures. Yeah. So they leave the Doctor back in Gloucester where she meets back up with the farm, enters the TARDIS where she learns about Jack's message. And as they question the Doctor and she reveals all, we find out something is coming for the Doctor. Ooh. Ooh. And there's loads of alerts around the world. And the Doctor is immediately happy again. It's like, come on, adventure time. Off we go. The end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll just say right now, don't expect answers next week, Matt. Right. (laughs) Great. But, yeah, in the same way when we watched Heaven Sent and when we watched Blink, this stands out as, like, a special episode. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. And, And coming at a point where you just don't expect one. Yeah. as well which i think is is part of the genius of it in a way um i do still feel like i'm owed just a straightforward to do romp yeah I, I i kind of i hope rtd in his next run does that at some point because um the jujun are just great on their own and they do as great as they are in the first half of this story they do kind of get lost in the mix in the end like they get very overshadowed should we say yeah by the revelations were, come thereafter at, at the time yeah. were people unhappy there was another female doctor or was it a case of the performance was that good we're gonna let this one slide there were there was a contingent of jody whittaker bashers who were just like uh oh this is how you do a female doctor and like immediately using the appearance of Joe Martin to diminish the work that Jodie Whittaker had been doing, which I think is extremely unfair. 
as I say, I feel like it is an intentional contrast. And it's fine for people to prefer one incarnation of the Doctor over another. I'm not saying you can't do that. I do. Um, but I don't think it's fair to use an episode like this to uh, uh, somehow taking it to be a criticism of what Jodie Whittaker has been doing. I think she has absolutely been doing what the scripts demand of her. Uh, you can you can have discussions about whether you think that characterization is a good characterization or not. So, yada yada yada. But um, I um I've lost my train of thought. I'll tell you what I was going to ask you, Matt. Um, what is your theory? Do you have an explanation? Given that we know that they can't that this can't be a future doctor if uh, unless i guess it could be a future doctor who's had their like mind wiped and doesn't remember Jodie Whittaker's incarnation you know the 13th doctor for some reason do you know what i mean i guess that's one possibility but but like, then if if she's before hartnell yeah hartnell's tardis looks like a police box so it can hide on earth yeah. But then I suppose we haven't seen Hartner's arrival on Earth, have we? We haven't. No, we've seen him leave Gallifrey, though. Yeah. We saw that with Clara. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, because it can't be Hartnell leaving Gallifrey, then someone else on Earth for a bit, and then Hartnell again. And then you've got the whole uh, regeneration cycle thing, yeah. which was only renewed in uh, time of the Doctor... So we knew that there was a finite number. So, like, it throws the numbering off of that. Like, if that's the case, the Tenth Doctor should have been the final incarnation. Yeah. I don't know. Let let me just have two seconds to think. Because this really hurts my head. I don't know. I mean, maybe there, maybe she's always... not the Doctor at all. Maybe it's some some other funny business, but then uh... or you know we we know we know that Doctor Who takes place in a multiverse, right? So she's from another dimension. There we go. That's a, that's a nice easy explanation, isn't it? Yeah. What if I told you that like minutes after this episode came out, um, Chris Chibnall like had an official, I don't know, interview or statement or something where he just said, "To be clear." This is not a doctor from a parallel dimension. Why did you ask just to make me look stupid on the pod, David? <laughs> right. Just because I feel like it is the most obvious explanation, and so, and that's why Chibnall was very quick to get out there and say, "I don't really think that that, that this is this is not a parallel universe situation." Um, but I won't give you any more than that. I just feel like you're allowed to have that because it was it was made public during as this series was airing so you're not you're not that's not a spoiler per se right who knows who knows lot to chew on though eh let me just ask one question and you can decide whether you answer it yeah in two or three months time when we're done so we've watched all of this we've watched all of flux and we've watched whatever specials are out yeah will i have an answer by then yeah, right. I think so. Right, okay. The, some people, like... you, st- I, it, I still see people arguing about it, and honestly, I feel like those people haven't really been paying attention. 
Right. So maybe either that or there's stuff that I've assumed to be more definitive than it is. So, but my my perspective is, I feel like I've got a pretty firm grasp on how how this all fits together right. at this point. Okay. Hopefully, I'll have the same. Yeah. But yeah, good episode. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Great guest performances all round. Um, I you know what I'm going to mention again. Um, I I'll do, do double check that it's definitely Briggs doing all of them. I'm sure it is. Um. Well, on Wikipedia, it says Nicholas Briggs is doing the voice of the Jadoon captain, but doesn't suggest other Jadoon. So maybe the other Jadoon do have different voice artists. But, um, yeah, I I love the voice of the Jadoon. And, like, so I just wanted to shout them out as well in amongst all of the other, like, supporting cast of this episode. It's a really strong cast. Um, really strong writing from both Vinay Patel and Chris Chibnall. Just uh, what a what what a sort of like power move of an episode this is. Yeah, slap bang in the middle of a series. Yeah, they've done good work here. <laughs> they really have. Um, so I'm very excited to uh, see how that momentum is continued into next week when we will be discussing Praxius. That's good. That's Ooh. not even a word, is it? So there's. Like, no clues there, no teasers. Okay. If, well, if it was called, well, like, episode six, Return of the Master. No, it's just <laughs> like, oh, Praxius. What's that? Like a brand of microwave. <laughs> well, if you had to guess, what do you think Praxius is? Is it a planet? Is it a creature? Is it a person? No, it'll be some, some system where the internet's evil again. Everyone's joined the Praxius network and the internet's the bad guy, just like you. Great. Uh, that's that would be some some uh, you know in keeping with the general sort of RTD vibes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Just as always, if in doubt, the internet's the bad guy. Well, on that note, um, thank you very much for listening, everyone, and do join us via the magic of the internet next week when we will be discussing Praxius. But until then, uh, thanks so much for listening, and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.